0: And welcome to Recruitment in the Modern World. In this episode, we focus on the topic of how to provide candidates with a great experience around job interviews. To discuss this, I'm pleased to have with me Fiona Wilson, Managing Director of FJ Wilson Talent Services. Welcome, Fiona. Thanks, Sarah. Awesome. Now, I'm literally diving right in. And so the first question Inevitably, one would say that comes to mind or arises during the interview process is the interviewee's salary expectations. At what stage in the process is it best to approach this topic?
1: Oh, Shara, thanks for raising that question. As as you say quite um, correctly, you know, the interviewee's salary expectations do generally get explored during the actual interview process, from my perspective and from our perspective, what is a better approach is to check candidate salary expectations actually in advance of the interview. And that can be done quite simply through what we would call like a pre-screening call, which anyone can do. Of course, agency side, you'd be expecting that to happen. But sometimes that is actually a process that's overlooked if a client is hiring directly. And having Um, A short call, of course, lends itself already to a human approach, a human touch by the potential employer, but also avoids time being wasted for both parties in an interview if the salary is actually out of kilter with the client's budget. So our advice would be check it in advance of the interview actually taking place.
0: Mm, That's such a good point. And actually, it makes me think of sort of you know it, it's very natural to think of the day of the interview itself hmm. but what can the hirer be doing before the interview like we've mentioned the salary um, but what else can they do to enhance the
1: interviewee's experience well I think there's a whole bunch of things that the interviewer can be doing to enhance the interviewee's experience And also, again, ensure that you get the best out of the candidate in that process, but also provide the best customer service and experience. So regardless of the outcome, um, every single candidate goes away waxing lyrical about the sort of professional and the human uh, sort of experience that they've had uh, with regards to that particular recruitment experience. So I think those can be boiled down into a few aspects, regardless of whether or not you're interviewing physically in person or interviewing virtually. So firstly, it is without doubt preparing thoughtful interview questions to ask all candidates for benchmarking. That's of course a pretty a pretty basic thing to have done, but I think we still have examples of where employers don't necessarily go through that due diligence, although that is less common now for sure. I think the second aspect is making sure that whoever is providing the interview invitations to the candidates that they are appropriately detailed. So again, what's commonplace now is to provide interview timings. Sometimes what is missed still is the duration of the interview. Again, pre-COVID or post-COVID, if that ever happens, um, you know, location and a map. Of course, in a virtual world, what you'd be looking for is making sure that there are clear instructions, whether it's to, again, this is commonplace now, um, using Teams for an interview mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's really important on that latter point, and it's something that we've discussed quite a lot in recent months, is making sure that there's almost an etiquette guide for interviewees to really walk them through what they can expect of a virtual interview, which of course could be the first time that they've experienced that. So will there be a waiting room facility online when the call is actually activated and it's a panel interview? How will it work? Will the panel in part switch off their video when one panelist is actually asking the questions and so on? Anything that you can do to actually make that candidate familiarise with the process which is new is of course a super super idea and uh, another thing that has actually come up for the first time because we typically deal at director of or head of level uh, so so we haven't been asked this question (laughs)
0: pre-moving
1: to kind of virtual interviewing is recommended attire right oh my goodness yes (laughs) because I think people have really gone into very sort of casual dress for um, sort of on a day-to-day level working from home. So candidates are really quite unsure now about how to approach dress for an interview. And then again, sort of quite commonplace information, but the name and job title of the interviewer's links to LinkedIn profiles, if available, and an outline of the interview structure. So will it be a mixture of biographical, technical and competency questions? Mm. Um, how will that be weighted, um, etc.? So it really is an overview of the recruitment process as a whole.
0: Yeah. And and what comes, to, like you said earlier, it's um, making it human and having that clear sort of, we could say, protocols or hygiene check um, yeah. with the standards as, as as we did pre-COVID. But now with COVID, there's this extra detail that everybody needs to have both on in the interviewee side and the interviewer side. Absolutely. And, it, and
1: it's very easy to overlook what are actually really critical details. So for example, if you're meeting someone physically, something that again is often overlooked by clients is making sure that interviewees have contact numbers of people they can actually get hold of in case of any travel problems on the day, for example. Uh, So again, on an agency level, we tend to be quite experienced at at mitigating that and making sure that that happens. When we move to a virtual setting, of course, Mm. technology doesn't always work. You can have issues with Wi-Fi stability that day, you could have a challenge where your computer suddenly goes into a software update and you press the wrong button. Oh and, my goodness, yep. You know, That'd sort of that, 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 <laughs> that sort of nightmare situation. Right. Um, so, making sure that you provide a contact number again, which is a phone turned on of a panelist mm. in that situation, and that there is the preparation for the panel to move with ease onto an audio platform is again really important i think it all goes down to again customer service putting yourself into the candidate's shoes and also making sure that on an employer level you have had a run through you have had a if it's the first time you've done it um a pre-interview meet Mm. to make sure that everyone's really clear about etiquette as well and how to really try and relax a candidate in a setting where body language isn't necessarily coming across as much as it would do in a physical setting.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Because actually it makes
1: me think about one specific
0: example in the candidate experience, which is, you know, the interviews often include a presentation from the candidate. So how can the hirer help with that part of the experience, You know, being now more typical in the virtual world?
1: I think if candidates are required to make a presentation, the same rules really apply as if it was in a physical presentation setting. It's asking them to send a soft copy, but at least 24 hours before the interview itself, not a few hours before on the day where there's really little contingency. If again, that sort of contact in HR, has technical issues themselves that day or is poorly, Mm. um, etc. And it's checking that you're able to accommodate the candidate's IT requirements. I think, again, it's being empathetic, sympathetic Mm. that for a lot of candidates, a virtual interview could still be at this point in time, the first time that they've interviewed in that way, and perhaps offering them the opportunity to either have the control of presenting themselves, or actually one of the panellists doing that, where the interviewee can say, next slide, next slide, etc. Again, it's just really trying to make sure that as an employee, you get the best out of the candidate in a situation which is still not necessarily at all alien, but it's mm. certainly not how we've been brought up to interview.
0: Exactly. And it, and, it, and it just makes me think about all those, all those different stress points, right? Mm. Um, and speaking of which, one potential source of stress for candidates, um, might be a personal note here, is what <laughs> happens when they first arrive at the interview. Or in this case, again, you know, living into the, the, during the pandemic, when a host allows you into the Zoom room or an MS Teams room, what should the hire do to make sure that goes smoothly?
1: I think, again, that's a really thoughtful point. I mean, I think most people understand if you're welcoming someone into an office, that Mm. on the day you'd brief reception staff, for example, to expect interviewees that day, welcome them accordingly. Most people would now make sure that water is supplied to the interview room and that interviewees are offered it and pointed out sort of the bathroom facilities. I think, again, it's trying to make sure that there is enough thought of how mm. a candidate interacts in this situation. And as you rightly say, it's all about the walkthrough of what to expect when they haven't interviewed in that type of context before or very rarely. So I think it goes back to something we were discussing earlier about this is an opportunity for mm. the employer to provide some tools, be that maybe a video clip, be that an audio clip, be that Mm. also a phone call to a candidate or candidates before they come out on interview for any vacancy with their organisation to really just have a walkthrough again about what to expect, checks to run on their side and just to give that orientation. Again, it's all about trying to get the best out of that candidate because of course we all want to hire the best person for the job
0: absolutely and so we've spoken a bit about the pre interview and sort of looking at that checklist and protocols and also just now during what about the end so does management of the candidate experience when you spoke earlier about that customer services mm. does it end after the interview like once that's done it's over
1: well i think <laughs> i think that all boils down to what your thoughts and views are on how you want to come across as an employer, what your beliefs are from a customer service, how much um you put, how much weight you put on the impression that candidates have of you, which are built up mm. sort of during the actual interview and recruitment process. So I think that the marketplace would typically feed back that candidate experience does end when that interview ends, be that the first or the second interview. If they've been unsuccessful in the process, what we hear on a daily basis are candidates, particularly in current climate, being very disenamored with their experience and sometimes being pretty cross actually with that employer about the amount of work that they have to put into the recruitment process. But yet, when they ask for feedback, it's either never provided or it's weeks after the event and and when it's mm. provided it's pretty scant. So the best way to kind of approach that on an employer level is, is really sort of again put yourself into candidate's shoes, but also mm. think seriously about the rhetoric that you are putting out there as an employer. If you believe in the in the power of the employer brand, then from a tactical perspective, it absolutely makes sense to do small things that on a combined approach give a very positive impression. And they're quite mm-hmm. simple. Things like sending out a thank you, for example, and making sure that that is personalised goes down um, a treat with the majority of people. It's an appreciation of people's time. Yeah, I think also it's a reasonable request that you are provided with feedback after an interview or a second interview and having that time to constructively be provided with the points Mm -hmm. where you didn't score as strongly as other candidates and why are, you know, real powerful takeaways for someone's professional development, but also do show that reciprocality. And again, it's all about the human touch, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think uh, what what a lot of employers miss at that point is that recognition that candidates in themselves are a stakeholder group and Mm -hmm. particularly in an interconnected area that can produce some noise on a cumulative level about their experience and potentially what it's like to work for that organization that is so true
0: sort of valuing that that like you just said valuing that time that the candidate puts in to prepare yes and um turn up to an interview very much so. so with that I I do know you also produce print and online resources on this specific topic. So where can listeners who want to learn a little bit more or go into the detail, where can they find that?
1: Thanks, Shara, for that point. Yes, we do produce print and online resources. So in terms of print, if a a hiring manager or, or a sort of HR department wants any copies, they can request those by getting in contact with us via the info at fjwilson.com address Mm. Uh, what is of course more commonplace uh, during the current pandemic is for those tools to be accessed online so very easily navigated to by the fjwilson.com website under clients and under resources we're also going to be uh, recording audio versions of those shortly. And again, those will be published on the same page in our website. And again, we're also going to reproduce those on a video content level. Because I think, again, what we're hearing from the marketplace mm. and appreciating is that different people access tools in different ways. And we need to make sure that we're sort of leading the way in that regard. To make life as easy as possible for the stakeholders who are again accessing those tools, be they clients, be they candidates. Excellent, thank
0: you, Fiona. I I think, and actually, now I know you've given us very tangible and practical guidance on this topic. Um, just in sort of under under ten minutes or so. So, just to finish off, you're MD of FJ Wilson Talent Services. What is your company's offer?
1: in the area we've just discussed. So in terms of helping our clients improve their candidate experience that's something that we are absolutely equipped to do in the consultation process. It's it's really sort of that joined up dialogue really looking at sort of sharing best practice, sharing ideas because when you're working for anywhere your view is of course limited to the way of thinking for your particular organization. And what's always good is to get those reference points from an expert who is used to dealing sort of within the market, who perhaps can help evolve your own processes, particularly Mm. in this sort of new, very virtual world that we're all living through. We also do offer consultancy for clients per se who are looking to either set up or improve their own in-house capability. So if a client is looking for something on a broader level, again, that's a service that we do provide. Excellent. And where can listeners go to find out a bit more? I think as before, Shara, they can visit our website, fjwilson.com, or always best is just to speak to us. Um, give us a call on our main number, which is zero two zero three one nine five three six hundred. Excellent.
0: Thank you, Fiona. Thank you to our listeners. And please join us for the next episode of Recruitment in the Modern World. The music today for this episode comes courtesy of the composer.